0: If you would, take your copy of God's Word and open to the book of James, and you will find our text today in chapter 3, James chapter 3. Now, we teach our kids a rhyme, and we teach them, we all know this, okay? Sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. I understand why we teach our children that rhyme. I have six children. My oldest is 13. I have two seven-year-old twins. I understand that around my house. Why we would say words can never hurt me. But the truth is words can't hurt. The truth is often words can be more damaging even than physical abuse, can't they? I've been hurt before. I've been punched, I've been pushed, I've been shoved. I've had broken bones. They healed. But words, words can last much longer, can't they? They can hurt. They can hurt. All of us have been hurt by words, I would assume. Some have been crippled for years, sometimes by just... A few words that were said. Perhaps there were words that were said to you over and over again by someone that you loved, and you have felt the pain for years. But not only do we realize that words can hurt us, and we've all been hurt by words, but we've all hurt others with our words as well, haven't we? We've spoken rashly, we've spoken harshly, we've spoken in the heat of the moment inconsiderately. Perhaps we know that the things that we've said have caused great damage as well. This is the focus of what we're going to look at today in our passage of Scripture. James is going to talk to us today about the power of the tongue. The power of the tongue. And help us realize this dangerous thing that we have within us that in one way could bring healing but also could bring great hurt. If you would, read with me. Look at James chapter 3. We'll begin in verse 1. And we will read today and look at all the way down to verse 12. This is what God's Word says. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach will be judged with a greater strictness. For we all stumble in many ways, and if one does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. If we put bits in the mouths of horses so that they obey us, we guide whole bodies, we can, we, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are large and driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder. Whenever, wherever the will of the pilot directs, so also the tongue is a small member, but yet it boasts of great things. How great is a forest set ablaze by such a small fire, and the tongue a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting a fire to this course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse the people that are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth comes blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not be so. Does a spring pour forth both the same <clears throat> from the same opening both fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? A grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Pray with me. Our Father, today we need Your Spirit to teach us. Father, we come earnestly to look at Your Word, to see what Your Word says, but we know, Lord, that transformation will only occur if You guide it. So, Father, we ask for Your Spirit to dwell amongst us here. Father, humble us in light of Your Word. Father, I pray that You would make us obedient. I pray, Father, that today this message would produce fruit in our lives, in our relationships, and in our obedience to walking more closely with You. Father, help us to clearly think and assess the danger that lies in all of us with the way that we use our words. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, this morning I want to talk to you about a faith that speaks. We've been trying to, to title all of our messages in a way that, that comes under the heading of faith that works, which is what we're, we're looking at and is the thrust of James' practical Christianity, practical living. And today is a faith that speaks. How you speak, the words that you choose, the way that you speak to others, this text is going to tell us, reveals the genuineness of your faith, that there should be a consistency, just like James has been talking about. We've looked at through the middle of chapter one through chapter two, this idea that faith works, that if you have genuine belief, genuine faith in Jesus Christ, genuine transformation in the gospel, that you shouldn't just be able to say, I believe the gospel, but others should be able to look at your life, look at the things that you do, look at your desires and say, that is a person who has a genuine faith. James is going to get more specific here than he has been. He's been talking about good works, having good works, a faith that works, a faith that shows itself and produces fruit and loving the royal, fulfilling the royal law that Jesus gave. Love others as you love yourself. But James, again, is going to get more specific and he's going to talk about specific things now. The first of which is our speech. James puts all this under on the tongue. The tongue, a small member, not very big. I, I had some statistics and I, and I lost them, but you know, only a, only a few grams and made of all kinds of fiber. The tongue's full of like millions of bacteria. Did you know that? That was, that was one thing that I was kind of surprised about. But James is going to tell us, you had better be careful with this thing in your mouth. You had better be very careful. It's interesting here. James is a, is a good pastor. Um, he, he knows his people. He knows people. He knows the, the struggles that they face. And he's going to uh, talk about the tongue. But it's really interesting here. He doesn't give us any solutions. In fact, he just gives us advice. He doesn't give us any practical advice how to control the tongue. He doesn't say, don't say these words. Only say these words. He urges us in fact to know what the problem is. This whole text is all about us assessing and addressing and understanding that in my mouth lies a sword. And a sword can be used for good, but a sword can also wreak havoc, can it? And in your mouth lies Such a potential that is the point of what we're going to look at today So there's four there's four general things that I think we can look at This is a this is an interesting verse an interesting set of verses to try to to outline and to map but i'm going to give you I think how how james wants us to see this four observations In regards to the tongue in regards to a faith that speaks having a a genuine faith and what it looks like with how we Use our words and the first thing I want us to see is that you are accountable for your words You are accountable for your words, if you look at verses 1 and 2. Now, apparently where James is writing, there were too many self-appointed teachers. There are too many people teaching who shouldn't be teaching. And this was a real temptation for Jewish people. It still remains a real temptation for us today. But especially for the audience that James is writing to, former Jewish people, There was this big temptation to be a teacher because the rabbis in the synagogues were highly, highly respected. In fact, the word rabbi literally means great one or my master. And so within the Jewish community, the rabbis were extremely important. They were extremely sought after, not just to teach the word, kind of we think of how pastors are today, but also they knew and they interpreted the law for people. So if somebody wanted to buy something... You know, maybe there's a field, maybe there's a deal that he wants to do. And he doesn't know, is this lawful? He would go to his rabbi, my master, should I do this? So very, very highly esteemed. In fact, Jesus rebukes the Pharisees and the rabbis of his day and he says, he speaks to the rabbis, he says, they love the places of honor at banquets. And the chief seats in the synagogues, and respected, and respectful greetings in the marketplaces, being called rabbi by men. Do not be called rabbi, for there is one your teacher, and you are all brothers. Do not call anyone on earth your father, for one is your father who is in heaven. Do not be called, do not be called leaders, for one is your leader, that is Christ. But the greatest among you shall be your servant. Jesus isn't saying we can't have titles. Jesus, you know, obviously there's 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 appointments to the church and leadership in the church. He isn't saying there shouldn't be leadership. But the the problem that he's addressing is men who assume this leadership and they lord it over others. And they really like the prestige. They really like being called rabbi. They really like everybody depending on them. James says there's a warning that we should remember here. There's always a built-in danger with with someone who who teaches, with someone who is uh, a master of a subject, teaching novices, that you would tend to want to idolize them, that you would tend to think, wow, they are great, they are smart. But one has to be very careful, especially in teaching the Word of God, that they don't allow this to get to their head. That they're not in it only for self gate James' point here that not many of you should be teachers, it's not to take away from the role of the teacher, but it's to say you need to be careful. Because, and this for me being a pastor is one of the scariest verses in all the Bible. I have to be honest with you. Look at James 3 verse 1. Not many of you should be teachers, my brother, for you know that that we who teach will be judged to a greater strictness. There is an accountability that we use that, that exists with our words. Now James is applying it directly to those who teach, directly to those who God has called to be over the flock. You had better be there only if you have that calling. You had better not be there for self service, because God knows the intention of your heart. God knows what you will say. Listen, it's there there is a there is <laughs> there is a competing desire in everyone who preaches the word of God. As to whether do I try to be faithful or do I try to entertain? Because there's lots of ways that you could, could be more entertaining and get a bigger crowd than teaching verse by verse through the Bible. There's a lot of ways. But for me, I wake up, I go to bed, I pray, I think, I sit in the office, I'm called pastor, I understand the weight and the responsibility of what's before me, and in the back of my mind is this verse, those who teach will be called to a higher standard. We have to be careful what we say, especially, especially as we teach the Word of God. Now, again, this, this applies most most to pastors, Most of us called to teach and to preach. But all of us are ambassadors of Christ. All of us in how we use our word. All of us when we speak to Scripture. Are you Bereans? Do you study the Scripture so that you can know it? So that you can have truth? Or do you simply listen to whatever preacher is on TV and whatever they say and, and you regurgitate the things that are said? There's a lot of false teaching. Do we have the discernment? to carefully look to the Word of God. We have to be careful in what we teach. There is accountability. He goes on to explain this further. He says in verse 2, For we we stumble in many ways. We're all prone to sin. James is even speaking about those who are called to teach. He's saying, look, even them, even us who teach, we're going to sin. We're all prone to sin. Realize it. Don't put yourself up on this pedestal that you think that you're great because people come to you so that you can teach them the Word of God. We have to be careful. We have to be careful. He goes on and he starts talking specifically about the tongue here. He says, if, any of, if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man. Perfect and able to bridle the whole body as well. Perfect doesn't mean sinless here, but rather mature. What he's saying is that the individual that is mature is one that has learned to bridle his tongue. One that has learned to control his tongue. One that speaks in a way that his faith is seen. Not just the words of faith, but the way that he speaks. The words that they use. Our words are an indicator of our spiritual condition. Have you ever met somebody that's been in the church a long time, maybe a pillar of the church, and you, you, you hear them in church, and it's, oh, praise Jesus, and all this really good stuff, and then you meet them somewhere outside of church, and it's like, who is that person? Because of what they say. Because of what they say. It is a great indicator of our spiritual life, isn't it? And we're going to see why. Because the, because the mouth, out of the mouth... Is the abundance of the heart, Jesus says. The mouth is an indicator often of our true spiritual condition. So we need to be be, intentional. We need to realize that our words, we will be accountable for our words. Our words count. What we say counts. It's not just that what we do counts. Do you get this? James is saying, I've just told you what you do counts. That you have a faith that works, that you love others. Now he's going to say it's not just what you do that counts, but it's also what you say that counts. It's how you speak to one another. Do you have a faith that's genuine, that shows itself in how you speak? So we, we have to, we are all accountable to our speech. That's the first thing James warns us of. Second, we need to be intentional with our words. We need to be intentional with our words. Look at verses 2 and 4. James uses two analogies here to make this point. Um, he, he wants to make this point that the tongue is small, but it's mighty. It's like a bit in a horse or a rudder on a ship. It is a bit, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a small thing. It's a small piece of metal that you strap to the horse. And with the reins, you are able to control a great, huge, powerful beast. The same analogy with the rudder. You know, we go down to Port Canaveral and we look at these huge ships. They're, they're massive. They're amazing. Um, if we saw them out of water, at the back of them would be this thing that looks relatively so small in comparison to the ship. But by that one rudder, that huge, massive ship is able to be controlled. James' point of comparison here is not really that the tongue controls the body. But that there is this huge, powerful force in your life that's really small. That's really small. It's it's interesting here. Um, both the bit and the rudder are tools that are used intentionally, right? This is why I say we have to be intentional with our words when we look at this. These these are both things that that have to be used intentionally. In fact, um, both the bit and the rudder are subject to contrary forces, right? The the bit is subject to the horse. You are controlling a horse. If you've ever trained horses, at one time I did work on a ranch, and I did work with training horses, believe it or not, Um, and... You know, you get, you get, you first, you, you bit train the horse, you get it used to where it'll take the thing, because they don't want that in their mouth to begin with, and then you get it on them, and then you start, start moving their head with it. And let me tell you something, they don't like that at first. They don't like that. It's like putting a, putting a leash on a dog for the first time that's never had one on. They don't know what to do. They don't want anything to do with it. But as you continue and you you gain skill with the horse, then you can control this massive, powerful animal with this one little thing. You can put it under your control. Same thing with a ship. You know, the ship, the rudder is used intentionally to steer the ship. If the ship goes out into ocean and the rudder breaks or the mechanics that run the rudder break and the ship is, even if the motor's working, what can the ship do? Spin around in circles? It is subject then to the the currents and to the waves. It's a dangerous situation, right? Both of these are tools that must be used intentionally. Friends, our tongue, our words are tools that must be used intentionally. If we have faith in Christ, we have to be uh, cognizant of the power of our words. We have to think about the things that we say. We have to remember that we're held to a higher standard. We have to want to speak like Christ. You can give life with your words or you can bring death. What are the things that you say? Are you encouraging with your words? Do you love others with your words? Think of some of the greatest Christians that you've known in your life. And I'm going I'm, I'm to assume that one of the reasons why you think that they are great people in your life not that you've read about not but people that you've known i'm going to assume that that individual often spoke loving encouraging things into your life didn't they they often encouraged you they often pushed you for greater better they often listened without judgment they offered sound biblical words didn't they We need to be intentional with our words, just like the bit, just like the rudder. We need to be intentional with our words. Our our words have a way to mend relationships. Our words can seek uh, to understand and encourage others. Our words can show patience. They can show love. They can show grace. What a word right there. Does, Does your speech show grace to others? Maybe they're different than you. Maybe they've sinned against you. We can still speak encouraging, loving things, can't we? Aren't we called to do that? Spoke this morning in the Sunday school class Blessed are the peacemakers. You know what the peacemakers usually use most? Their words. Their words. James just told us to fulfill the royal law. Love others as you love yourself. One of the best ways, easiest ways that we can do that is with our words. Use your words intentionally. How would you want someone to speak to you? If I was in this condition, how would I want somebody to speak to me? Think about hard, difficult things. If I was hurt, if I was broken, if I had walked away from the Lord, if if I was in, in this mess, how would I want people to speak to me? Would I want them to come and condemn me? Would I want them to be rude and mean to me? Or would I want them to come and lovingly encourage me, to listen to me, to hear me out, to speak life into my situation? Use your words intentionally. Use your words intentionally. Third thing that James says is we have to be careful with our words. We must be careful with our words. And he's going to speak about why they are so dangerous. Verses 5 through 8. Verses 5 through 8. James uses two more pictures here for comparison. One is of a forest fire and the other is of tamed animals. Of tamed animals. Um, now, I've lived in Nevada. And um, where we lived in Nevada, we had these... these uh, oh, I can't think of the name of them, but they were these very resinous little scrub trees. They were so resinous and rich with pitch that when we we only had a we only had a wood burning stove in our house there um and when you went to to make a fire and you put that in there all you had to do was touch fire to the bark and the thing went poof it was that resinous it was that rich if you've ever lived in a dry arid climate i know sometimes here i've heard that we've had huge forest fires over in the in the wildlife uh, area over there along the river huge forest fires. If you've ever lived somewhere, think about the fires in Gatlinburg, the horrible fires in Tennessee this past year. If you've ever lived somewhere around a forest fire, you can understand the analogy. We can try to throw, we can try to, 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 to bring helicopters with, with buckets of water and airplanes that dump water on it. And we can send in the uh, the, the fire jumpers. I forget what they're, they're called. And they dig trenches and they try to stop this fire. But when a forest fire is going and it's hot and it's dry and the winds are blowing, there is no way to stop that thing. It doesn't stop until the rains come or the winds die. It is a blaze. It is a blaze. This is what James compares our tongues to our words, the way that we speak. In verse 6, James addresses this directly. He says, And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set against our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life. Look at this. And is set on fire by hell. Strong language, isn't it? James wants you to realize how you speak matters there is a great caution here you need to be careful with your words you need to recognize that your words can have tremendous danger now scholars debate this verse cuz it's it's tricky the way that, that he's talking about this here but but we can all say and we can realize his point that that you're, with your tongue you can be like an arsonist to to dry kindling with the things that you speak you might not even understand. You might not even realize that you're going to have the damage that happens way down the line by speaking the few words that you've said. But we can say things to individuals harshly and rudely, meanly, sometimes unintentionally. Right? How many of us, after an argument with our spouse, the the, we, <laughs> the next morning we wake up, we assess the damage, and we go, "I really didn't mean to say that." And sometimes it's true. In the heat of the moment, we will say things that in our right mind we would say, why would I ever say that? Sometimes you feel like, um, oh, what's the, what's the show with the nanny? I don't watch a lot of TV, so my shows tend to be like five, eight years ago, um, but you know where the nanny would show up and she would videotape what was going on in the house and, and then afterwards she would pull out her little, her little video screen and she'd have the mom and the dad there and she would watch with them as they would watch the things that they said and the way that they parented. And when they had that self-realization of seeing themselves and the things that they said, they were devastated, right? Sometimes we get that perspective. We stand back and we go, oh, I can't believe that I said that. James wants us to realize that because even though those of us who are redeemed by Christ, those of us who have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, we still have the flesh within us. We still have this dangerous heart that, is, that, that, that just voices itself through our mouth. When's the last time you thought about, I need to control my tongue? I need to be careful how I speak. That's what James is reminding us here. We need to be very careful how we use our words. James says that, that one who is careless with his, with his tongue, with his words, is, he's the first to be defiled, right? The way we speak, <laughs> others realize that real quick, right? Others see the words that we use, the way that we speak to others, and they can sense real quickly what's going on in our heart you're a bitter person it's going to show real quickly in the way that you speak if you're mean deep down it's going to show quickly in the way that you speak if you are a careless person in how you speak it's going to show quickly you're the first one to defile yourself and then it goes on and says that it sets off a world of unrighteousness how much hurt how much pain is caused by careless words, by careless words. This goes back to James 1, and 27. If you remember, James gives this test about pure religion. He says, true religion requires bridling the tongue and keeping oneself unstained by the world. James has already said, how we speak reveals our faith. It reveals our faith. Are you being transformed in the words that you say? Are you, do you are you being more careful? Are you more concerned about the way that you speak and, and the reaction that it has to others? It's like a spark so often that sets a bigger blaze. James goes uh, even further here and he identifies the ultimate source of the problem. This is very interesting. James says that the tongue is set on fire by hell hell is uh hell hell when we read in hell what what they're describing in the bible is actually outside of jerusalem it's called the valley of hinram and this valley is just outside of the walls of jerusalem and there was a time and a day when jewish worshipers of melech so jewish people who started worshiping melech they actually sacrificed their children and burned them in this valley, you want to talk about a wretched place, a place that you can equate with just just turns your stomach this is, this is what what G- Jesus what he mentions hell, I think eleven times. James is the only other person in the New Testament that mentions hell right here, and this is what they 're talking about. This is the visual description it was it was this place where they sacrificed and burned children that later became a burning uh, uh, Garbage dump. It always burned. It always smelled. It was a rotten, nasty, horrible place. And that's the place that Jesus, when He wants to speak about eternal punishment, He gives a visual picture. And He says, Gehenna. Hell. Because it's a place that if you understood, if you understood in that day, in that time, it's a place that would turn your stomach. He says... James is saying here that the the evil tongue is actually set on fire by Satan himself. It is our flesh that causes us to speak this way. It is the flesh within us. It is not the things of Christ. Think about the sins of the tongue. Gossip. Some people love gossip. We go through the grocery store. We make a joke of it. We have the gossip magazines. You listen on the radio sometimes and the hosts will be like, today's gossip from Hollywood. The Bible says that gossip is a horrible sin. In fact, in the sin lists, the things that that if it describes your life, you're in trouble. One of the things that says, gossipers shall not inherit the kingdom of heaven. Friends, listen, you come to me and you say, you want to hear what so-and-so did? You know what the first thing I try to say is? Have you gone to them? Have you gone to that person first? If not, don't come to me. But you're the pastor and you need to know these things. If you 2 can't resolve it and, and, and something needs to be said, then, then I'll listen, but go to them first. Do you know how much of our life would be solved if we just went to that person first? If we just said, this hurt. I don't know if you meant this, but this hurt. Gossip. Uh, slander. Speaking against someone. Deceit. Lying. Absolutely lying. Half truths. Half truth is a whole, whole lie, right? Am I the only one that knows that? My mom told me that a lot growing up. Um sarcastic put-downs, right? Sometimes we we clothe hateful things. Kind of funny. Dirty jokes. Inappropriate flattery. Men, be careful with how you speak to other women. It's okay to say that you're pretty. But when you start trying to make them feel for you, women speaking to men, be careful. Crudeness. Friends, I just want to tell you right now, we're about to enter a whole new era of rude speech. Of rude speech, with the election cycle that just happened and some of the things that are being said and and the way that speech is becoming I've even heard I've even heard advocated for pastors to do more of telling it like it is. And the idea is just to be rude, to be upfront, to be harsh, to be bitter. That is not spiritual fruit. That is not the ways of the Spirit. Insults, inappropriate coarseness, angry words. Think of all the ways that we can sin with the tongue. It's not just... It, it, here's another thing, okay? It's not just what we say. We live, in, we live in a day and an age where I think James would address something else. It's how you type. He might say, your fingers are set on fire by hell sometimes, right? Okay? Some of you don't need to be on Facebook. What you say matters. It matters. James goes on uh, with the analogy. If you've ever been to SeaWorld, uh, you've seen trained whales. You've seen dolphins, seals. If you've been to the circus, you see elephants. You see all kinds of animals. I did a Google search on uh, weird, like weird trained animals. <laughs> Pet skunks are a thing. who to thunk? We've trained everything, Right? We've, we've trained everything, but James go, goes on and says that the tongue cannot be trained. He says there is one beast that is not able to be trained, the human tongue. He says it is a restless evil full of deadless, deadly poison. Listen to what he's saying. It's restless at any time, at any moment. It's full of evil. We have to keep a watch on it. It is a deadly poison. You need to handle your tongue like you're handling a vial of anthrax. Do you get that if you had something in your hand that was extremely dangerous that you knew could cause great harm to yourself could cause great harm to others would you carelessly bounce it around no you would with great care handle that james says that's the way we need to think about our tongue last point we'll make it quick Your words reveal the pureness of your heart. This is the whole point of what James is getting to. James is not talking about if you smash your finger with your hammer and the word that you might say on that occasion, okay? That's, That's way down the line from where James is going. What James is saying is that what you speak, the way that you speak, the words that you speak, they show what's going on in your heart. Do you have a faith that speaks, a faith that shows itself? He says, um, he goes on and he talks about this, this situation he brings up. He says, he says, we can say praise the Lord in one breath and in the next breath, we can talk evil about someone. Isn't that amazing? He, he goes on and, and he says, um, this isn't so in all of nature. Okay. Uh, fresh water does not pour out salt water. Uh, 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 You don't go to a fig tree and get grapes. You don't go to a a grape vine and get figs. But yet with our mouth has this propensity to do good and to do evil all at once. Jesus spoke to this. He said, um, he said, from out for the mouth speaks that which fills the heart in Matthew chapter 12. In Matthew 15, he said, the things that proceed out of the mouth come to the heart, come out of the heart and defile the man. The mouth, Jesus says, the mouth, James says, is just a vent of what is in your heart. If today you're very convicted and you know I often speak wrong, I often am doing this, you need to realize it's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. The first place to start is trusting in the gospel. Are you a believer? Have you fully trusted in the gospel to save you that Jesus came to save you from your sin, that He came to make you new, that He came to transform you, every bit of you, even the way that you speak, so that you're more like Him. Are you growing as a disciple if you are a believer? Are you depending on the Spirit? Are you... Uh, 2 Corinthians ten five, working daily to take every thought captive to obedience to Christ. Uh, walk daily under the control of the Holy Spirit. Memorize scriptures like James nineteen one nineteen and 20. This you know, my beloved brethren, but let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So why doesn't James give us tips? Because he wants us to realize the danger that's in our mouth. He wants us to realize the danger that's in our mouth. You know, think about it. James 3, if we, could, if we could do this, it would solve most of the problems that we have in the church. If we could speak love to each other instead of harshness and rudeness, if we could keep our tongues under control with each other, the harsh, brush, rash, silly things that we say that we don't mean. Marriages. You know, we hurt the people that we love most by the things that we say. Isn't that amazing? I I don't think that there's ever a marriage that's gone into divorce that there weren't rough, rude, harsh things being said in the home way before it reached that point. Do you think about the way that you speak? Friends, words are like toothpaste, okay? Once it comes out, you can't get it back in. Do you realize that? Realize that and realize that in your mouth is a potential to bring great blessing used intentionally or great danger, great harm. It reveals our hearts, and we will be accountable for the things that we say.